Welcome, one and all, to the Tiny Plastic People podcast. We paint them, and we play with them, and we're here to tell you why we think that is great. I am joined tonight by JD. Hello. I'm joined by Rachel. Hello. And I'm joined by Tom F, a.k.a. Le Swordfish. How are we all doing tonight? Uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very good. Uh, um. Oh, not so bad. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Tom, let's complete the small talk and then we can get on with the business of podcasting. I am, I am mildly blessed by Grandfather Nurgle, so my apologies if I'm sounding even more snotty than usual. Excellent. Well, hopefully uh, you don't infect us via the internet, because who knows what can happen on the internet these days. Right, let's get straight to it. It is hobby things we've done, games played, etc. Oh, and I should also say that this is the uh, podcast of the tinyplasticpeople.com website. If it's there, you can find it there. So that's going to be an exciting thing if when you hear this... We, we may be there you don't know you may how would you be hearing this if it's not there that's a, another question anyway so uh let's go straight into our hobby progress and things and i'm gonna start with jd what have you been up to in your hobby etc uh i got the big slaves of darkness box uh and Hell that's been yeah. like my big thing recently so i've started painting a big demon prince uh, and I've not actually assembled anything else from that box yet because I've been obsessed with the Demon Prince because it's such a good model. Very cool. How big is this Demon Prince? Um, seen... Hmm. If you, you know, you know the Ghost Kill. I'm just looking because yes. I've got one on my window, so it's about the size of that ish. This is not helpful to me at all. <laughs> <No. laughs> I think that also the uh, the question to ask is which head did you put on your demon prince? Oh, I went for the zinch head, the bird head, because it's great. To be fair, all the heads in that kit are really good, except for literally the one they put on the box, which is awful, in my opinion. <laughs> that's, that's, actually, that's, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? I just don't like <laughs> it. <laughs> and how is it to like put together the kit? Because I heard there's lots of lots of stuff it's 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 one of those like modern gw kits where when it's all put together it's really nice but the the process of putting it together is a complete ball ache <laughs> um <laughs> there's lots of bits where you just you sort of dry fitting it and think it and just getting frustrated thinking how does this go what magic is this because it doesn't work and then eventually it does work and it's fine but it, yeah it did take me a while to, to build that one model but there's a lot of options. That you, it's definitely a kit I'm going to buy more of. I've got tons of bits left over that uh, I'm going to try and find a use for. Very cool. Very cool. Anything else you've been up to before the arrival of the uh, Slaves to Darkness? No, I've just been keeping it. I'm trying to be good because I, I have been quite heavy recently of like buying stuff that I'm not going to paint or having projects that are just sitting there for ages. Like, all my heresy stuff and 40k stuff is basically in a box now, and it might just live there forever. So I need to Wait stop. Wait Sorry? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> 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 the thing, I'm, I'm starting to come around to your way of thinking, Nish, to be honest. I think you might be right about that. I don't know what you're saying. Okay. 
<laughs> Great. Well, Going well. Well, well, that's it. We'll, we'll <laughs> put them all on the shelves. Uh, Tom, uh, what have you been up to recently? Things so... that Rachel would displeased, be displeased by? Oh, oh, deeply. It's all been space for over here. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, uh, I have uh, painted a lot more Imperial Fists for my Heresy Army and took them to the, the Goonhammer Open narrative event which was fantastic. Uh, they they performed very poorly, uh, but I had a tremendous amount of fun um, running around with my big yellow men. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was a nice narrative event with, um, like, the, uh, the narrative of the event changed depending on how much we lost by. Uh, we lost by quite a lot. But, uh, <laughs> I think the loyalists, uh, the loyalists did not hold the line successfully at all. Uh, but we did manage to keep the same leader for the whole time. Apparently, the uh, traitors, as I understand it, they elected a leader at the start, a player that was in charge of their whole whole operation, and then changed that leader after every game, including after the final game. So they had more leaders than games played. <laughs> you would you would think that that lack of cohesion would have cost them something, but no, they absolutely walked it. <laughs> so, ex- do you want to explain a little bit more about the Goonhammer Open and like what kind of event it was? So, the main, as I understand it, the main thing of that event is a forty k tournament, which I wasn't uh, I wasn't there for. I was for the uh, narrative heresy event. So that was five games over two days. Uh, including a uh, a doubles game on on Saturday and Sunday. That was for the Horus Heresy game, and so had very specific team loyalist, team traitor, uh, with the narrative being that we were trying to defend the, the Hive Moon over the planet on which the Adeptus Titanicus game was taking place. So we, uh, we were defending the outskirts of the Hive, uh, falling back again and again in various states of disarray. Uh, playing, yeah, playing five games with like specific set out objectives, uh, including some uh, some fun stuff to uh, do with like characters. Characters earned honor for surviving games, which seems like the wrong way around to me. I think if you're <laughs> if, if 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 you're still alive at the end of the game, that's not very honorable. Um, but that's because my main character was a Black Templar, so... Uh, yeah, so we... Uh, it was it was a good time. Very cool, very cool. Awesome. Have any been up to anything else be- before we move on? Uh, yeah, so since then I painted... I painted Rogel Dawn. So to... The big gold man. Yes, the big gold man who leads the medium yellow men. Uh, I... He came out. He came out very well. I thought. Well, thank you. I'm. I'm mm. glad. To, uh, I'm glad that everybody said nice things about him because I'm not entirely convinced he's what I wanted. Uh, not entirely. What, in a Primark? Just, just not <laughs> come out quite what I was hoping for. I was trying for much brighter gold. Uh, I know. I'm sure people have said lots of nice things about him. So, mm. uh, and I'm well aware that I am not a stellar painter so i should be uh should be satisfied with what i've achieved 
well, I saw him and I thought he looked very, very nice. I especially liked his face, actually. He did a really good job of the like, hair and the face and things. <sighs> it's a it's a good sculpt. He's got a weird... He's got a weird facial expression, like... He's got a bit of a I'm smelling a fart sort of look about yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Um, all, of the, all of the Primarchs have a bit of a prissy old woman look to them. Um, and he, he keeps that. But I think it's... Yeah, I was able to... Looking at it now, I think I was able to get enough of that face out um, using pretty much just a wash and contrast and a little bit of highlighting. So, yeah, it's, nice. It's... Is there something which you would do again on it, seeing as you were slightly, uh, well, or you you took a while to like be happy with it? So, is there anything you would approach it differently? Um, I think I would try and try and push how bright some of the gold is uh probably uh so it's it's a bright vallejo gold that i can't remember the name of elfin gold maybe with a uh watered down purple wash over it i kind of wish i'd watered that down more or kept it more in the recesses so that uh more of the gold shone through because i think looking at it now in the worst cases there's fiddly detailed bits where there's quite a bit of wash and it just comes across as looking a bit dirty almost uh and then dulls down the gold around it so i don't know i should have been could have been a bit more careful about that perhaps Alrighty, shall we move on who is next i think it's rachel yes uh what have i been doing uh, i've been, been playing lots of uh lots of the new war cry um which is good and fun um turns out they made the game better or at least different um and so i've been doing uh about a game a week which is pretty good going um thanks to uh discovering a few people at work uh who also want to play it and uh there's room in the cafeteria to set up um a few a few uh for like a few people to play on an evening so what you've been doing um just having fun with my horns of a shoot um in particular the one who has a flamethrower because the flamethrower ability is disgusting um this is the one that has like a bagpipe as a flamethrower is that right something like that the flamethrower has a like an airbag sort of thing yeah. i i mean yeah i, I don't know how practical or likely such devices it's wholly realistic and of, of course. course um but yeah it's good fun um i uh welcome our new hashutite overlords um what else have been doing not much gaming to be honest um apart from that although i guess that's quite a lot of gaming really like getting yeah. getting a game in a week a game is, every uh, week is yeah even if it is a little skirmish game, it's still pretty good going. Um, and I've been painting. I can't remember what I was painting previously. I was doing ships. Um, I painted uh, the starter set for um, Kings of War Armada, which is a sort of fantasy Age of Sail. Uh, war game 
um, with these beautiful resin ships you buy for various fantasy factions like elves and orcs and stuff. And so the starter set contains uh, a bunch of human, very fancy human ships and uh, orc ships, and they both very aesthetically different from each other. Um, a lot of fun to paint because uh, just cool models and I was able to um, sort of zero in on a fairly easy colour scheme for both for both factions and just blast them out. Um, I have not played the game yet and I, th I think I need to get someone to um, learn it with me because my attempts to learn it on my own were not particularly successful. Um, what sort of flavour of game is it? Is it uh, well, on the scale from like uh, easy to play to Drew? Where is it? Is uh, it is not. It, 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 it's it's not Drew core. I don't think. <laughs> Do you know um, I need to get the flags out? <laughs> no. Uh, so it's it's based on a uh, sort of um, I don't know Caribbean themed Age of Sail game called Black Sails. I think. Um, so it's basically the exact same rule set, but with a slightly easier or different, simpler rules for wind. Like there's the option to play for with um, actual wind rules where like you can't sail into the wind. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it is more or less the same rule set. And yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, like you move your ships, you have to like think about how fast you're going so you don't crash into things and um you can only turn by so much uh when when, when you activate a ship um it seems relatively straightforward it's just like like a lot of games like very difficult to for me to pick up on my own so i had to uh uh you know invite someone to come and take control of the, the humans or the orcs and learn to play the game with me because uh, I think I don't know maybe I have room for a a game about ships in my life hmm. maybe um, and there are certainly like a lot of ships in the model range that I really like the look of um, like the salamander really ones. ones oh they get they get really big they get so like they're because both because they're resin and because they're quite big like like the biggest ones are like you know like the, the you know the length of your hand more yeah. or less um like they have like a really satisfying heft to them um yeah so you can get really big ones and then you get these tiny little ones where there's like two of them on a base as well which are extremely cute um yeah and right now hobby wise i am painting a chimera which is a three-headed cool. beefty. Uh, yeah, I've kind of just been making it up as I go along. He's all purple and blue and red. It seems to be coming together. It looked really bad for a while. Um, but <laughs> having fun. You were, you were just approaching this one like vibes only, weren't you? Just yeah, like... I didn't really have an idea going in. Like, I, I, yeah, I just kind of framed it purple and I was like, hmm, now what? Um... Yeah. And uh, I think that's me. Very cool. Well, that leaves me. And uh, I just want to put the question out there. Does buying things count as hobby? Yes. Well, I hope so. 
Yeah. Okay, that's good. That means I've actually done some hobby. I'm going to say no. No. I'm, I'm going to take the contrarian position <laughs> okay. on this one. Well, then the only thing which I've Not actually this one. bought or at very, the very least done tiny bit of hobby in is I purchased from one of our fellow role modelers the uh, Imperial Navy Breaches from the Into the Dark box with the intention of, for some reason, turning them into Skatari. I was going to do some kind of kit bashing with them. I don't know why. It just seems to be a thing I do. Um, but I got about halfway through and I got really frustrated with them because their arm sockets are different from nearly every other model which I've put together in that they're these little wedges underneath the arm so the arms don't have like a flat fitting surface to go on. Right. Um, yeah, absolute straight up bullshit to be honest. So um, So they went back into the dark. They went into the dark, which is a baggy, which is now on top of my wardrobe, which I will return to when I have time, because I thought it was going to be quick and easy. Turned out it wasn't, and then I therefore decided that I didn't want to do it. So, had other things to do. But, that said, I did do some gaming, and I actually did more gaming than I ever have done in, like, the last year, I think. I'm being slightly distracted by my cat, which is sitting on the table looking at me. It's going to bite me at some point. But, Wait, which cat is that? Uh, this one is Tofu. So <gasps> gently turn the camera around. The baby. You could tell because you can't hear the, the table creaking. Oh. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Tofu looks ready to ready Big to smash. Goblin energy <laughs> there. Anyway, returning to gentle. There we go. So I get for doing things on the kitchen table. Anyway, everything's a mess. Um, yes, I did some gaming. So the gaming was I went to um, a 40k tournament. And this leads on to our first topic of the uh, episode. But before then, I will gladly report back that I had my ass repeatedly handed to me at this 40k tournament. Because it was a proper, like, uh, I should say it was brother brotherhood brothers in arms in firestorm games in cardiff run by some lovely folk um a south wales gaming group of some kind i can't remember their name maybe i should look it up maybe i'll put it in the show notes but um it was uh 40 to 60 people i think we played it was like a team-based like um tournament and uh yeah uh, I brought my AdMech, and at the moment, AdMech are not the meta choice uh, compared to many of the armies which I faced. And uh, yeah, uh, I lost five out of five games which I played, which was good, which is the uh, uh, standard, uh, I, I feel. But uh, my teammate... Does, but that does mean you can say you went 5-0, though. Yeah, I went 5-0. Yeah. Nobody's quite yeah. sure which way Rambos were. Yes. Um the things that defeated me, which I can reel off, was a incredibly tough Eldar list, which literally swept me off the board in two turns. Um, doing all sorts of kind of elf bullshit. Um, my second game was against... What was it against? Chaos Knights. They walked across the board and removed me from the board, um, including a spectacular... So I was using the um, Sulphur Hounds, the the robots on dogs, 
and uh, the skirmish, not the sulfur hounds, the Cerberus Raiders, uh, they have a stratagem, which means that if you get charged, you can play the stratagem and you can immediately move your full move in any direction you want to. So you can basically screw up someone's charge. So they got charged by a big chaos knight. I moved them backwards and then they immediately got charged from the knight which was walking behind them because I wasn't paying that much attention to what was going on at this point <laughs> while I was being removed from the game. Um, I did destroy one knight in that game though and the guy actually seemed a little bit pissed off that I managed to do that. So little victories. Uh, then there was one more game which I've probably blocked from my memory. Um, I basically I didn't play any Space Marines. That was my main goal was to play, play against lots of different armies. That's it. I played against Drukhari. I oh. got removed from the board, but at this point, um, and in fact, I had a tournament learning from this one was that uh, sometimes if people are trying to do like specific strategies on you and they feel like they should be able to win the game, and you refuse to die and do some ridiculously good luck, it's actually quite annoying for them. Which I quite enjoyed, personally. <laughs> um, so what occurred in this game was uh, Drazar, the Blender Man, uh, who is an elf with lots of uh, attacks and wounds and things like that. Uh, somehow, my tactic throughout the whole game was that um, I was playing the Lucius uh, Admech uh, faction, uh, Forge World, and some of their tricks are that you can teleport units around uh, or you can do a teleport move, which is quite rare for an Admech army, because that's kind of a weird thing to do. And my general tactic had been teleport my castle and robots somewhere, and then charge them into a fight, because having three robots run into you with, like, twos to hit with power fists is pretty tough, and it was, like, the one thing which I could do which was actually quite dangerous. But in this game, I was going to do it, then I decided not to about halfway through and just walk them down the middle, and charged into combat with Drazar instead. And then I punched him to death and rolled, like, just an uh, ungodly number of sixes on mortal wounds and things. He hit me back because I didn't quite kill him. And all of my saves were sixes. And all of your saves for Castle and Robots on sixes put mortal wounds back on you. <laughs> <laughs> so he killed himself in combat with me. And I thought that was really funny. Um... And I was just like, oh my god, what a fun narrative thing to happen in this game. The guy didn't... Did he start laugh laughing? I was like, Likely. Oh. I was like, what? And he was just not happy that this had actually happened. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, that's really like horrible. Like, you shouldn't have been able to do that. And I was like, oh, but I did. <laughs> and it was fun. Didn't realise I needed your permission. <laughs> no. uh, that... Do you want me to call a TO? <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, anyway, but yeah, I still lost that game. I still was removed <laughs> systematically again from the board. Although also he had no ranged weapons in his list. So I had my Admech flyers and I was just moving around the board at the end of the game. So if you want to get to round five, just fight a close combat army with flying units and they can't touch you. It was quite fun. <laughs> Uh, I fought Custodes, Custodes, I had actually a really good game with them, like, um, lots of tricks, but I'd be eager to try fighting them again now that the new data slate is out. I might have been able to do a lot more to them by just wounding them easier, because you just couldn't get wounds through on them. Yeah. Uh, 
And my last game uh, was against Imperial Guard, and I had a really lovely game as well. Re- like, really nice time, despite, again, being systematically removed from the board over a period of turns. So that was my tournament experience. Um, it wasn't very narrative, and that was the thing that I knew it wasn't going to be. But it was the almost the shocking thing was like the lack of I don't know like people just didn't even engage with the game on a narrative front, which I found quite different. Which is will be yeah. my feedback on that because that's basically where I come from. Is like haha, my robots have punched your person. Isn't that funny? Uh, um, they must be crushing it or something and. Uh, person just like blank staring back at you that you've that's, just that's a not of what sixes. the numbers should have done <laughs> yeah lots of people saying oh statistically average that you did that um <laughs> which is really disappointing uh and also i don't know what the statistically average is for doing most things so anyway that was my experience at a tournament it was fun i'd actually go back which leads me on to the first topic so I had my ass handed to me and it turned out that I quite liked it. Maybe I'm a masochist. I don't know. But uh, as I said to my teammates as I was leaving, I was like, I would actually do that again. Uh, I feel like I learned the game more. It is a very different game when you play it that way. And it's an exciting game in its own right, which I wasn't quite expecting. I was just thinking it was going to feel numbersy, but... um, I liked the amount of terrain that was on the boards. I liked how fast the game actually moved when you play it that way. And also a lot of the interactions are a lot simpler than they seem if you're taking the time to... If you're almost like taking time to play narratively, you might be making unoptimal decisions or something really boring like that. But a lot of those decisions are like... That decision might be oh, like, oh, I'm slightly in cover now, but oh no, you can shoot me, etc. And then you have a debate over how many people you can see in a unit or something rubbish like that. This wasn't that. It was just like, you can see that, you can charge out of that, you can't be seen there. That does this, that does this, that does this, play the game. And it was quite refreshing to play 40k in that way a little yeah. bit. That sounds good. Like yeah. the rules are kind of getting out of the way and letting you play yeah. the game. Like if anything, that's kind of like what I want from a narrative game. Yeah. And it let narrative happen. So I think that if the games had been more pitched narratively, which they weren't because it wasn't that type of event, but if it had been a more narrative event, those fun things that could have happened could have been the things that um, were actually the things which you actually talk about later rather than just like, oh, I trashed that guy, I trashed that guy, I trashed that guy, um, beat that guy, oh, that was a tough game. Not like, lol, rolled all these dice and they were sixes and now you're all dead. Ha. Um so that brings me on to the question which I had, which is what hobby thing did you actively reject for a while until you actually did it and then you had to kind of eat your words or at least go, oh, maybe I do like that. Pondering faces all round. Um, personally, I've never had a wrong opinion, so <laughs> I That's can't speak to this. A good. Surely there must be one. <laughs> Is there a secret space marine in your house? <laughs> <laughs> it's 11 o'clock. Do you know where your space marines are? <laughs> um, 
I'm still thinking. I'll, you know, yeah. I'm sure there is something. I, 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 uh, for painting the Vogel Dawn, I did try uh, a bunch of things that I had not tried before. I don't really, uh, I don't really thin paint or, um, or blend or anything. I don't, I really am a very head empty painter. Uh, and it's, it sort of worked out. I think, um, I think if I had really been thinking about it, I would have started doing those 102 level techniques probably before the model I wanted to do really well and try really hard on. Uh, so I don't know whether, um, the, the fact that I'm doing this extremely basic shit for the first time is and i'm not liking the results of it is probably more that i just don't have very much practice in it probably more that than something's wrong with the technique itself right it makes sense i mean i actively makes reject sense. yeah thinning paints still unless i'm trying to do something life's too yeah. short for two thin coats oh, i fully I agree think, i think also like I think also like going that way can maybe also also like lead to some bad habits that make you kind of like a slow painter, right? Like I just put some paint that was too thin on this guy's tongue and it just flowed into all the crevices. So all of the pigment is like the opposite of the place I want it to be. It's not it's terrible coverage. It's bad. Just don't thin your paints. We need to go back we need to return to the tradition of every model having an inch of paint on it well that's how you know it's painted yeah i think it's it, it's it's an easy thing to say to say thin your paints do two thin coats but actually like i think a lot of that comes in from it, it's just a way of saying be more thoughtful about it right you, this th there is this specific thing you can do which will improve things a lot but actually if you're just a aware of the fact that you need to be careful how much paint you're putting on the model that will mm -hmm. get you a fair bit of the way yeah right and it's, yeah just I, mindfulness it, yeah thinning paints is also about like removing things like brush marks and um that the uh being able to tell that something's painted yes. like because you slowly build up the pigment blah 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 uh we all know why someone would do it but to some extent i can't like no one's gonna show me something and i'm gonna go did you paint it yeah. like of course you've painted it it's little model with <laughs> paint on it so like i don't really care about seeing brush marks on it because that's what brushes do on a thing yeah. so you know, uh, uh, but then again, I'm quite an advocate for being painterly when you paint, yes. because that's uh, just the way I do it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah like fundamentally, I I like having stuff painted more than I like painting. It's like um, mm. like the people who say they get the euphoria from finishing exercising, and I just think, well, I get it from not starting in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I definitely, I think I should should pay more attention to that. Should do that a bit more carefully. But also, like, it's fine if I'm not if I'm not trying to achieve the fanciest model I've ever done. 
then uh, might as well carry on with what's worked for that so far. It sounds like you're still actively rejecting this thing. If we were to go back I, to the I, initial I, question I asked you, am I allowed to? Am I allowed to say <laughs> I thought I would hate this? It's fine, but I'm going to make the sense, the active, sensible decision to still not do it. Right? I tried it. It's not as horrible as I expected, but you know, maybe I'm not going to have it. But also, nah, it's got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a completely valid thing. Uh, JD, it's very mature. <laughs> Uh, so for me, it's also uh, a tournament. I went. I don't. I don't think I've been on a podcast since I did this. Um, but back at the end of uh, August, I think, <clears throat> um, I went to Throne of Skulls doubles for Age of Sigma at Warhammer World with a pal, um, <clears throat> and it was brilliant. Really enjoyed myself. I've always avoided competitive play of of any type because I just. I think the th- what puts me off is hearing people talk about competitive play. I find it very, very off-putting because it's it, it's just the whole uh, the the idea that if a unit, if a war scroll isn't going to win you the game by itself, then it's worthless. Like it's it's that sort of hyperbole that goes into it that really sort of gets to me. Um, but also, I just don't think about games in that way. Like I, I'm playing it because. I like the mind's eye image and I like the, the narrative of what's happening and all that kind of stuff. I'm not too bothered about, I'm never going to learn like all the edge cases that will let me win a game more effectively because I don't care enough. Um, but I had a really good time because I think Throne of Skulls has a reputation for being a bit more narrative led anyway. Not like, you know, it's not a narrative event, it is a comp event and it's matched play, but like, I think it's a bit more chill than something like London GT. Um, yeah, it was really good fun. I think we we uh, and playing with a friend was definitely helpful. I still I don't think I'd, I still don't think I'd go to like a a tournament where I'm playing by myself. Um, mm. But yeah, it, playing with people and going up against armies that were built competitively and stuff, it wasn't as awful as I thought it would be. It wasn't awful at all. It was good fun. So I've uh, had to shift my thinking a little bit on that. I mean, there's caveats. Like, I'm still never, I'm never going to play competitive 40k because that really does sound miserable. Um, I did I not? I, did I not sell you on it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think also like the conversation around competitive 40k is more insufferable than the than the conversation around competitive Age of Sigma. I think because maybe because I just prefer Age of Sigma as a game. It's just a better game. <laughs> um, but like hearing hearing people in like local groups and stuff talking about 40k when I visit Games Workshop or whatever, and it's it just is maybe that's to do with the people, but it is yeah sounds awful. So it's like I'd never want to play it. <laughs> I think going back to me playing in the in a tournament, it felt a lot actually a lot more stripped back than I was expecting, because people understand the armies that they've created, but also they. Uh, I'm, and this is me assuming things about humans, is that why would you cheat in this situation, really? Obviously someone might do, and you might have a rules debate with them about something, or if you don't understand something, but I went in it with the assumption that I'm probably going to lose here. But also, like I kind of know the rules for my army as well, and that's all I really needed to know, was to be able to point at things on the army and on other people's armies and say, right, that 
is the thing which I should probably kill. That is the thing which was is stopping me getting my objectives. And there wasn't that much else I needed to know about every army. I just needed the flavour of the army to know what to do in the game. What I needed to do in the game was not die, but I didn't have any say in that, really. And also, you won't have any say in that. Like, it's, like even like the high level, like, I don't think... Yeah, the higher level players, like, you're going to lose half your army. That's the point of the game, is you're going to do this. You've got to figure out which ones you need to sacrifice, which ones you want to keep alive, where you want your sort of tactics to come in and stuff. Um, and that was actually quite refreshing. That was... It, it was like I didn't need to know that much, so... Yeah. Uh, it, it was but nice again, to play. Played... Uh, sorry, go on, James. I was going to say, I, I just not... Uh, played Age of Sigmar to that level or played Age of Sigmar enough at all to sort of compare the two. I feel like Age of Sigmar is less daunting as a competitive experience because with 40k you've got stratagems and you've got secondaries and you've I mean Age of Sigmar match play does now have secondaries but in a more limited way I think Um, but um, it was a nice experience like especially because I took an army that I'm I've played a lot in the last like two years which is my Stormcast um, and I knew, you know, I went in knowing exactly how everything worked and what I needed to do in each game, um, and like the things I needed to prioritize and things like that. And it was, yeah, it was really nice. And I still, I still do prefer playing casually with mates or playing Path to Glory or something like that. But I'm definitely open to going to the probably the same event, the Throne of Skulls doubles at Warhammer World because that was a really good time. But yeah, I think it was part of what helped was that it was a nice weekend away with friends because I went with my friend from uh, Yorkshire and then um, there was a couple of people from our group like Rich was there so it was more than anything it was a nice chance to like hang out with my pals and I think that that helped sort of break some of the preconceptions I think because it was more it felt more chilled out cool so back to you Rachel have you found any flaws in yourself I mean, I can think of things that I do currently, like, actively or passively regret. I mean, reject. <laughs> but I can't think of anything that, like... You don't, you don't anticipate ever changing your mind on any of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I somewhat anticipate, like, changing my mind about some of these things. But, like, I can't think of anything that I've changed my mind about in the past. It's <laughs> a problem. So either I've forgotten what those things were, or, like, I've selectively remembered myself as always being a you've fan never, of airbrushing or something you've never I don't know. changed your mind <laughs> yeah exactly i always thought this way i was always enlightened um i don't know i don't know it's has terrible. there been anything which you've been surprised that you liked um maybe uh like big big aos battles Maybe. Um, I didn't expect to like uh, like a full 2,000 points game, but it turns out it's not actually that much more of a commitment than a 1,000 point game or even like an even smaller game. It's, and if anything, you get a slightly more interesting experience out of it. Um, like nowadays, I will quite happily play a 2,000 point game, whereas I guess a few years ago when I didn't really have an army at 2,000 points, I would have just been like, nah, I'm never going to do that. 
what a ridiculous idea. That's that's for people who like Warhammer too much. Um, <laughs> so maybe that maybe that's the thing. But uh, maybe that's more of a sort of like evolution of um, owning two thousand points. Yeah, of you know that's just becoming more of a hog than becoming a different hog. Well, well, shall we move on? And I believe it just it continues your streak, Rachel. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so my topic is uh, like um, organizing, like just getting people together locally to play a game with, um, either as a like a, a weekly thing or a monthly thing or uh, one-off event be it a tournament or some other kind of thing um leagues why do it how do it um my own personal experience here is that like back in sort of 2019-ish I think um when I was really into Warhammer Underworlds um I sort of got a local um regular meetup for that going at one of the friendly local gaming stores here in Edinburgh um and it was a lot of fun uh and then obviously uh the the pandemic uh killed all my enthusiasm for underworlds um so yeah i haven't i've been like i haven't like come back to that so now i'm kind of in, in this position where like i'm starting to like uh game regularly again and thinking like what do I, do I want to engage? Do I want to do this more seriously again, like I was doing before, where I was like actively trying to organize players in the city to get together and play the game together, um, or uh, do I just want to continue to be a casual, as it were, um, and let other people do the the hard work? So, do any of you have experience of organizing a sort of local meetup? Um, at any sort of scale, be it uh, just like a, a weekly or monthly hangout to play a game, or um, like a, a local community group or something like that, or even a big event or tournament. Like I know, obviously, uh, James, you've helped to organise um, the sort of role models events in the past, um, and I guess that kind of counts. That, um, that does that count? <laughs> I, well, yeah. it's it's internet people, you know. It's internet not local people. people. Yeah, it's slightly different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, why do you do it? Seeing as it's on. Um, so I did it because well, I wanted to find out new people to play with and play the game more regularly because, like, Underworlds in particular, at least back in the day, probably this is still true. Um, really rewarded like engaging with it a lot um also because like otherwise there was no point in me buying everything <laughs> like i did <laughs> if i wasn't going to play the game at least once a week uh i never got around to like organizing a tournament um like although we did like we did get like a couple of the local shops to um run tournaments but I never like actively participated in getting that, getting that all together, really. Um, so I guess like 
I just wanted to, I just wanted to play the game and like a, like it didn't look like there was like a, a community of players of this game all in one place um, and it seemed like that was a good thing to do and it was so I I, uh, I haven't done anything like this I organized one of the all outs uh, and but I would imagine that doing it on a regular basis is quite different. Uh, getting the same group together every week, you need. Uh, I think you'd probably want to. Um, like probably motivation is an issue, right? Especially with any kind of league or something, you'd have. Uh, you'd have the issue of people. People lose interest over time. Does your setup allow for? people dropping out halfway through or do you want to what you what extrinsic or intrinsic motivation are you giving them to not do that even if you are running something that is um something with a competitive aspect where somebody is going to be losing really badly right how do you keep the person who is doing the very worst engaged Wow, I hadn't even thought about that person. <laughs> Just ignore them until they go away, and then someone else is the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I think like uh, one of the things I wanted to do was like set up a ladder. Um, I never went around to it, probably because uh, yeah, you do, you need to give people reasons to um, keep at it. I think that um, that's definitely the thing that would worry me the most from organizing events which i have done i try and organize events which are just like one and done whenever i've done it because i the 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 sort of like the the brain capacity of doing something every single uh, like even monthly can be difficult and monthly is actually probably almost has its own set of challenges where it's just like motivation to do something every month is quite difficult to maintain for a group of people um but yeah yeah i think the the risk of someone like on a weekly basis coming last is a big reason why i would avoid those kind of things just to from a personal perspective like i just don't want to engage with that kind of trouble over a weekend someone's got to lose everyone's there to have uh, fun at the very least and you know it's one and done and afterwards you can think oh maybe we should do this again sometime and then think about what that is but on a weekly basis that's a lot to almost commit to maybe that's just me being old and feeling old um (laughs) like it it, yeah jd anything to add uh yeah i've never organized anything really just generally um (laughs) but so i think my aversion to it is like a it's the responsibility of like organizing something because i'm quite lazy but also like I suppose the commitment problem plays into it because the sort of thing that I'd want to organise is like a big like map campaign or something like that. That's the sort of the thing that in the rule books and stuff as a kid that always fascinated me, like the idea of having yeah. like a big map that you fight over and stuff. And like I've got the forty k urban conquest box, which I reckon probably still works with ninth. Um, 
and I'd love to give that a go, but it is getting the commitment out of people um, because I've had so many woes with like RPG campaigns of just mm-hmm. just trying to get the same group of people together. It's set even semi regularly is a complete pain in the ass. It's hell, and, it is, and yeah. So the thought of then saying, "Oh well, can we can we organize times for these for pairings of people to get together over the course of a month with like two to play two thousand point games of forty k or AOS or something?" I feel like that's like a way bigger proposition. Um, that I don't. It's it's that thing of like I'd rather avoid the disappointment of it falling apart by just not yeah. doing it. It's, it's, it feeds into our quite like. I say quite like, I mean really like the way that GW games tend to handle campaigns now, um, which is where you've got your own thing and like any yeah. game you play contributes towards that. You don't have to play with the same group. So like Warcry, I think Warcry was like the originator of it, right? Um, yes, and then so. yeah, now yeah. Kill Team's got it, AOS has it, 40k has it, you know, and it's, yeah, I, I like those systems for exactly that reason because it doesn't require that sort of big commitment from a group of people. Uh-huh. And you can still care about and be invested in other people in your group's progress, yeah, right? Because, um, you know, it's cool to do the post-game stuff with the person you played against and, oh, look, they got a cool new item. Or, oh, no, now they've got a cool sword that makes them do more damage. That's going to be a problem in future games. Mm. That sort of thing. I think there's, a, there's an element of it's a bit, unfortunately like exercise where you have to start small and build mm. up a little bit in yourself to be yeah. interested in uh uh-huh. in keeping those things going like no one goes from couch to 5k in a week no one goes from 5k to running a half marathon in two weeks because that's silly you hurt yourself and you would exhaust yourself if you do that amount of social stuff particularly now in this sort of like um, post-pandemic malaise which is set in across a lot of people like getting out and about again some people love it some people don't and having a slow ramp in to having social events on a more regular basis is a thing that takes time and to get used to so like my work we do we do like a board game night every month and the only thing which we stipulated as part of that was if we miss a weekend or like we miss a week because we're all busy and it's the end of the month, we will just try and do it the week after and then just say that that was that month and then carry on. Because if you miss a month of a monthly thing, it's yeah. suddenly like yes. three months and you've not had a chance to like just blow off some steam and um, sling some dice around or learn a board game or something or just like relax in that way. So that's my only sort of like, how would you do it? Just like do it slowly if you want to and probably yeah. find people nearby to do it with. And maybe... And that... also get get practice. Yeah. Yes. Get good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. And why do it? Uh, I would say uh, because it's fun um, when you do do it. It can be incredibly stressful. So the like, it's just... Me and uh, me and Drew, Drew and I is the correct term of saying that. Um, we've been slowly recording like our planning for like the next narrative event 
and just like having a catch up every few months about like how it's going. We haven't done it recently because it's just been very busy. Um, but um, that's been quite nice. So maybe in the future we will unleash that upon the world, which is basically just two people having a slow breakdown while they try and like, turn <laughs> people around. But that in itself helps focus when you're planning something a bit bigger that you're going to have like, an opportunity to do some recording uh, or just a chat about how it's going so far, a bit of like uh, therapy for each other or something along those lines. And having someone to do it with yeah. really helps, particularly if you've got ideas and you need someone to tell you that your ideas are dumb or that your ideas are great or your ideas will cost a lot of money. Um <laughs> So those things really help. So if you are wanting to organize something off your own back, might take some time and it's going to be like a one-off thing, then yeah, thinking about, find people who would help you do that and build people into the support mechanism and infuse the people who want to take part so that they actually take on a lot of the burden of making sure that it's a good event because they want it to be a good event. You want it to be a good event. Everyone wants it to be a good event. Therefore, should equal good event? Question mark? We'll see. <laughs> I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. There you go. And that's, so that's like preamble. We haven't, that's probably the first time we've actually talked about it on the podcast. I can't remember if we have or not. Anyway, <laughs> more coming soon. Um, yeah. Shall we move on to Tom? Oh, go on then. So. I have a bit of a question, people. Um, I I don't know if you've seen, but Twitter exploded. Uh, oh, did the, it break? The world's most divorced man purchased it. <laughs> and uh, has made a lot of very clever changes. And so... Uh, there's a lot of people who are saying they're going to leave Twitter. There's a lot of... Uh, the implication is that Twitter itself might stop functioning properly or become uh, overrun with uh, incre increasingly divorced men. Um, so what what do you folks do for, for hobby social media? Where are you active? Where are you posting and reading? What do you look for in that kind of space? Who wants to say Discord first? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think definitely like over the last few years, um, I've learned the value of having kind of like a slightly more closed, intimate. Um, I am based community sorry i'm distracted by a bug um uh over like the the the, the big the big pond that is twitter or instagram or whatever um like i hardly ever post hobby stuff on twitter nowadays because i can just put it in in our discord and uh everyone goes "Ooh, that's nice and uh that's that's all i need apparently that is, it's largely yeah, yeah, largely the same as well. Like it's it's that thing of I could put this on Twitter 
where it will just go into the void and just get buried underneath, you know, I don't know, a billion tweets about, I don't know, Suella Braverman or whatever. Um, but, or I could just put it in Discord and have my mates whose opinions I actually care about um, say nice things about it. And that's that's all that really matters to me. Well, you know, I, 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 I'm not that asked about getting the Twitter likes or whatever. I put stuff on Instagram occasionally, but even then that's mostly for either people who are already on disc on the on the discord or like mates of mine from real life who are interested um and that's about it but yeah it is the discord for me that's the main sure. by far the main place i do hobby stuff yeah yeah and i should say when we're talking about the discord there is a discord which you can join which is called role models and you can find that via the link on the Tiny Plastic People website, if you can find the Tiny Plastic People website, of course. So you can join us there. We are yes. lovely folk. And join we us. want to see your models, basically. We want to see your things and show us. We want to show you our things. We're all just a bunch of hobby mm-hmm. hogs. Big hogs, and we will never stop enabling uh-huh. each other. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I guess that I guess that these bizarre things people have said go into my my next point I guess which is um if you are joining this kind of space how do you like okay any any idiot can post an Instagram tag or tag Warhammer community on something or follow a Twitter account mm-hmm however that's not the same as joining a community right yeah which is the bit that i would find challenging is if i did not have a hobby discord i think i would have difficulty going into one and trying to make a bunch of friends in there right it's they're learning all the learning contrived in jokes fucking emojis mean (laughs) Um, (laughs) so like so so i guess that's it's all well and good that we've got that, but yeah, this this is There's... this is not a rhetorical question to make you feel bad. This is a genuine question to hear the answer to. When was the last time that it, it, people did that, and how did it go? What did you do to make it a success? That's a that's a harder question. You, you see how that you see how that is, it is. That really isn't a rhetorical question to go. No, uh, no, no. It's, when it's, was the last time genuine. you introduced? Yeah, no. So it's genuinely like the problem with closed communities, and you've already talked it through. Like it's a shared language, a shared sense of humor, a shared sense of values, and uh, understanding yes. of the social norms. Even though it's just text, and I'm sure you've seen it in many servers when someone comes in and doesn't quite fit the um, the yes. structures that have come up and it is incredibly painful occasionally to see it happen and you don't, like for me, as a painfully awkward person, watching that happen is like just the definition of, just, yeah, that's uh, what the kids call cringe. So <sighs> it's... It's like, yes. like watching David Brent want do to a be... dance. <laughs> yeah, you don't yes. want to be that person either like you want to walk into 
these communities and obviously feel yeah. like you're at home and welcome to post not that you're yes. the life of the party or anything you don't want well some people might want that they want yeah. to walk in and be the be the don but even com- like those first few posts which you make like hi i'm here i've got space marines um is <laughs> That's a big step for people (laughs) and to know you're in the right place to do it. And I'm part of several communities which I have not posted in because of that. Like I've accidentally joined them via like supporting something via Patreon or something. Or like I just joined because other people I knew were joining. And that's how I find them usually is that other people talk about them on one Discord and you join the other Discord. Yes. And a few times it's been like post a couple of times and then go, you know, I don't actually have time for this. Yeah. And then Well, I think I think that you've got to bear in mind that you really only have time and space for like one one friend group yes. like this, I think. Yes. I think Maybe. that's the thing. I see some people with like when you like see a screenshot of their like Discord and it's just like server, 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 server in folders. And it's like what? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't feel seen by this at all. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not that. Not that you don't need. Um, as as I've discovered, each time a member of the royal family has died recently, it's great to have a bunch of different communities with different levels of spiciness of joke to send to. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I think that's to me that's the distinction, right? Is that Discord is going to a party, whereas what i'm looking for is to go and see a play right or watch film or something right can i it is a much harder place in which to be a consumer especially since discord a lot of discords like announce that you've entered so you can't sneak in it's like trying to join a party at a door uh, the bell over the door rings and everybody turns to look at you and like (laughs) yeah Possibly I'm just describing a particular level of my own social anxiety here, but um, yeah. yeah. I think um, one thing which is about particularly the community which we post a lot in, the Role Models community, find it at Um It is actually still quite a small community still. Yes. And it, it feels busy. Like it's a very active community, which is fantastic. <laughs> but I have joined a few which have been like not a few hundred people but like a few thousand people and it's a very different vibe um and it's just too much like for me it's a little bit too much and just thinking about that is like there are other social media like platforms and obviously in the last few weeks people have been joining like mastodon and things like that but even then they ask you to find a community which you want to be part of and you already have to identify as part of that yeah. and it's not a, yes. it's not a hugely as big a deal as it is on discord but i think you think it's that's another thing that was so like mind expanding about twitter at least in the early and mid years of me myself using it was just like the discovery yeah yeah exactly of different people and subcultures and yes. stuff through it and you can't do that if everything's in discords and mastodons and toots and whatever. I think that's going to be the biggest shame from this whole um, uh, meltdown 
is that I really do value a lot of the friendships which I made on Twitter like yes. five years ago. Like it is the one platform I kept. I don't really like Facebook. I can talk to my mum anytime. So it's the, and I didn't like groups on there and I didn't like other things about it and it's Facebook, but Twitter always felt like the place where you could kind of slowly just like start following people, start responding to people. And that was a really nice thing about it. Not from a hobby, like I found it from like other perspectives as well, from like learning about accessibility, learning about design work, learning about um, music was actually the reason why I joined in the first place. And it actually allowed me to navigate all of these things, video games. Sorry, I just dropped my Chimera in my wet palette. Uh-oh. Um, it seems okay. Sorry. That's fine. Keep going. <laughs> like, yeah, it's going to be a shame for that to go and that, that opportunity for that is kind of there on Instagram, but is it because of the way the algorithm works and all the bullshit? etc cool well we've killed twitter so <laughs> shall we move on to our final topic sure um so like i was yeah, i was thinking about like kit bashes and conversions earlier um i just wanted to know really how often do you do kit bashes like do you do them for every unit do you do them for just heroes uh, how far do you go with with them? Do you do like crazy stuff? And what's your favourite one that you've done? I'm going to stay quiet for a bit. <laughs> 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 quiet while you decide which of your children is your favourite. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I do a fair bit of kit bashing. Usually try and do um something special for heroes and uh find that it's um uh it's it's one of the parts of the hobby i enjoy even if it's just mixing and matching different bits of a space marine um yeah i think uh when i'm just trying to think um, i'm proudest of looking at the wall to see if i can think of something um i uh Uh, I've got some some Imperial Fist characters that I've kit bashed together using uh, lots of the the Vanguard veteran bits um, and the various things. That's I... an excellent kit for bits. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I I also hacked together some uh, Phalanx Warders. So they are guy guys with Space Marines with uh, shield and axe and gun. Um, and so I tried to get some different poses, different uh, setups going with those uh, using uh, the the standard kits and different marks of armor and some spare parts I had lying around. I think those turned out quite well. And what drives you to kit bash these models? I like having stuff no one else does. I like, um, hmm. let me try and come back to that one in a way that doesn't make me sound like a shit. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I do. I do. I like, uh, I like a sense You're of You're going to buy Twitter next, aren't you? Sometimes. <laughs> um, I like that, uh, just to, just to look at an example now, I've got a Herald that is, 
um, a banner from one kit crossed with the like a rare Forge World hero, and I think that's fun. I'm sure somebody else has done that somewhere, but I'm probably not going to run into them. So I get this model that is uh, that is un unlike what somebody else is going to be running, and it feels a lot like mine. I've got uh, you know, as opposed to like uh god bless them but i'm sick and tired of those two praetors um <laughs> they're love they're lovely models but i i feel like i've faced one or other of them in every game i've played for a while uh, i don't think i've seen a single one of those that wasn't kit bashed though although maybe i'm not yeah i guess yeah. not yeah they're a good they're a good example i think of how um uh you if if you value uniqueness in that way there's there's lots of stuff you can do about it right if you don't then more power to you but if you if you want to yeah if you want if you want this stuff that nobody else has then that's uh then i think kit bashing is a really good way to do that hmm i think i should do more kit bashing it's really not an area of hobby that i feel like i done enough of like the one kit bash like serious kit bash i can think of is like the secret santa lord relictor i did once and it came out very well and that turned out that was quite a lot of fun to do so is that the one i'd love to do more of it but i'm also someone who quite enjoys the way the model builds out the kit normally um and I guess I don't have quite the same drive for uniqueness as you do, or at least maybe I prefer to try and express it through paint. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. In conclusion, I want to do more. I hate but don't quite have the motivation for it. I think it'd be rad. That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah because I do, I do not uh, strive for uniqueness in paint jobs. I absolutely just try and match together existing uh, existing schemes, existing colours. Um, yeah. so JD, before before I talk about robots, <laughs> would you like to say what brought on this? This um, is your last chance to speak for the next hour. <laughs> uh, mostly what brought it on was A, thinking about Secret Santa because we're currently in the, in the depths of, of that at the moment in the role models community. Um, but also the fact that my kit bashed chosen for Slaves to Darkness have been sat at my desk for the last month. Um, and I was, yeah, I was just thinking about like how much I like them, given how simple a kit bash it really was. Um, and it's absolutely my favorite one that I've done. I've, I've got more confident with kit bashing and converting in the last year or so. Um, like being a bit bolder with like cutting models up, which is always something I was terrified of. Um, but like my Praetor for my thirty K Raven Guard, uh, is a um it's the the Praetor with the sword, the new one, but with a bunch of like the Dark Fury Raven Guard kit bits. Oh, yes. So like the claws and the uh, jump pack and stuff. And it wasn't particularly difficult to do, but it was a lot of fun. Um but yeah, and like my chosen are um Sisters of Silence, who actually, as it turns out, for a forty K kit have basically no sci fi stuff on them at all. Unless you give them yes. guns, um, so with the swords they just look like armored people with great swords, 
which is an aesthetic I love anyway. Um, and then I just stuck the Sisters of Slaughter, the Daughters of Cain, the alternate witch elf build, which is the ones with whips and masks. And I just took the heads from there with the masks and just stuck them on. And I just love them. Absolutely love them. My Slanesh Chosen. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something I want to do a lot more of. I try and avoid doing too much. I don't want to do entire units that are kitbashed. Because that's a rabbit hole that I could really do without falling down. Because then suddenly that's bu- that's buying 50 quid kits to go with other 50 quid kits to make one unit. Um, but for heroes, I'll always try and do like a little something. Like um, my Lord Celestant for my Stormcast is Neve Black Talon with a different head and different weapons. which I'm And I'm really pleased with how that came out for such a simple job. But yeah, so yeah, definitely something that I'd love doing. Because yeah, I think Tom, you've hit the nail on the head, I think, for me. With like the, it's having something that, it's a way to express yourself and, and have something that's unique to you. Uh, like I'm sure somebody's done Sisters of Silence with those mask heads before, but I've never seen it. It, it feels like it was something that I came up with myself. Um, and I'm never, yeah, like, like you said, I'm never going to play against somebody who's got the same unit. So James, do you want to talk about robots and <laughs> robots and boats? <laughs> I mean, for the, I can't imagine spending I don't know what like fifty quid on a unit and then like some more money on another unit and then somehow having less. <laughs> but it's never been a problem for me. I don't know <laughs> where this comes from. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot slightly that one yes i love kit bashing things i like making robots yes i like admech particularly because of this thing you can read all about it on a website that currently isn't up but it might be when you hear this so twitter yes we know on twitter maybe this is it maybe we've just been bought out and we didn't know it and we're all fired um so i think the thing yeah obviously about kit bash just to echo tom's I thought that having something unique, but also I genuinely just enjoy building things quite a lot and putting thick kits together in ways that work that are slightly unexpected or maybe even like quite trad. I've seen kit bashes, which I've done before, done by other people because, you know, putting ranger heads on Dilac models looks really cool. Of course, other people are going to have done that. Um, but they're still fairly unique. And I was surprised, just going back to the tournament, how many people also enjoyed kit bashing, even within the tournament. Tournament? Tournament? Tournament environment, how people still enjoy the process of doing that. So I think it's just another facet of the hobby, really. And it's a part which I particularly enjoy because it is where you can be more expressive about the model itself. Um, can... But to not prattle on about robots too much and not prattle on about things. The favourite kit bash which I've done is actually probably the trog boss that I made for uh, Rich, other pod co-host, last year for Secret Santa. I just loved putting that together. It was quite cheap. It was... Um, not saying that I skimped out Rich, sorry. Um, but I had bits around to make trogs. And I it was like an opportunity to t- kind of like find like the just one body to base it off. So to build this trog boss, I had 
um, the Lord of the Rings uh, cave troll, and I based it off that. So it's quite a small body, but a lot of the Age of Sigmar and old trolls and trogs have quite small legs, so it kind of fit together. So the only challenge there was to then build out the back of this um, this big troll to like encompass up to the size of the not quite the size of the actual dank hold trog boss but something which is of similar height and stature and that was quite fun and then i had this like one perfect bit which i had found i think it was the like the jaw of one of the squigs the squig hoppers looks like a crown if you put it on something's head so that just kind of made the whole thing work and just Basically, just having a load of bits in front of me, just sort of going sticky, 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 let's put this together. And then after that, just the next step was to just sculpt around it to make those bits flow together a bit. And because it's a big, horrible, mangy troll thing, as a sculpting challenge, that's not very hard. Or that's at least <laughs> something which you can attempt without having to go full Darren Latham on something. So... It was a real opportunity to like make flowing organic forms, kind of emulate some of the like the crustiness on the back, make things like um, I forgot what they're called, the horrible little shell things which go bleh, barnacles, um, make barnacles, um, all sorts. It was a real opportunity to do that, and it was just great fun. And it just made one model, and I was really happy with it, and I was really happy to send it on to rich because i was really pleased i think i talked about it last year because i was really pleased with myself um but yeah i think that is actually one of the favorite kibash i've done because it was just quick it was just worked i've done some things which are like big and took forever and i've done things which have just sat on my painting shelf forever like i really enjoyed making um uh admech breaches from uh the ogrins uh slave ogrins and Because to fit them onto the base, and I used these in a, a heresy weekend, to fit them onto the base, like they look kind of lost. And then I just made little handlers for them. So there's actually two models on a base. And I realized that I really like the idea of just two models on a base doing the thing that one model yes. should be doing. So, yeah, uh, that that's kit bashing. I, I suggest everyone do it and uh, uh, collect Admech. <laughs> Because that's how you get loads of parts. That's the other thing. You need the parts to <laughs> yeah. start. And it helps if those parts are from the army yeah. that you really love. And Admech is an incredibly generous army for those bits. And Space Marines are a gener- generous army for bits. Yeah. I find things like, like... I've got a Custodes army and that's not a generous kit, really. Yes. It, like yes. You can't make something else out of what's left over, really. You just end up with a load of spears um and or swords and the swords look trash sorry um so <laughs> that's big big flat swords that look like you'd use them to get a pizza out of the oven <laughs> yeah the so... um the the, the admech stuff as well i think it feels like there's no kit really or there's no aesthetic that doesn't go with it like I've, yes. like um i've seen people it might have actually been you james um do uh, mix Admech stuff with Night Haunt stuff mm. to make yeah. like ghosty robots, and they they look awesome. And, like, and you can use like you could you could use old Empire bits, like yeah. you know uh, old weapons and stuff on Admech, and it'd, it'd work because they I don't know there's something about that 
hunched robo freak aesthetic that just you can just put anything with it and it'll work yeah i think they they are the this is just my opinion you can say i'm wrong um but of course but they are like the most grim dark faction to me for that in that you can just do gribbly shit and it kind of works it would <laughs> like a guilty i've done nighthaunt ones guilty i've done empire ones i've also done corridor i've actually got some in front of me <laughs> um, i've used a lot of necromunda even like the enforcers and in fact the ones which i don't like so much bashing with are the more human things so like the enforcer kit and like the vansar you could say oh james would love those but i don't yeah. because they're not grivly enough for me they're a little bit too techy but someone else could do an amazing army of like really high tech looking admech i think so you've got or and you could mix in bits from like the new squats the leagues of votan and things because they've got more tech about them so you could do like high tech ad mech and uh, that would be fun uh yeah anyway i would prattle on about robots but i'm not because i'm sure that you know anyone could find me on the discord which you can find at tinyplasticpeople.com and i will talk to you about ad mech. <laughs> <laughs> right does anyone else have anything to slide in about? um uh, oh do you know about kit bashing yes no no yes. yes um for the narrative the aforementioned narrative event that's going to be a good opportunity to get some practice kit bashing hell yeah and that's yeah Necromunda as well. Any of the skirmish games, I think, are like the perfect start for kit bashing. Or characters for your heresy army. Like, yeah. I, I do have one of those. I don't know. I a think... secret heresy army. Of course. I think <laughs> the, uh, the, the various skirmish kits, the various skirmish games are good for kit bashing because you can do a lot per model, but... Just as a general warning to anybody who's thinking this sounds like good shit, I should give it a try. I reckon you'd actually have a much harder time with like a Warcry Warband or something. Or yeah. one of those the fiddly fancy new kits, right? Um, I think those would probably give you more difficulty than something a little more static and boring like a Space Marine because particularly like spindly arms that line up in precisely one way are that much harder to chop and change mm -hmm. uh whereas like you can you can cut a big armored glove off and stick it on in a different way and it works out all right uh that that is I... true like yeah yeah sorry go yeah on. I, yeah i was good yeah but even then i if you don't try Yes. You don't know, yes. but Absolutely. I think it it starts. It, it I I find it starts easier, like going towards like this like Secret Santa season. To have an idea for a model and then like kind of consult a bits box about yes. it rather than like investing too heavily. Yeah. Yes. So I would never suggest anyone do silly things until they know yeah. what the like invest when you know you're gonna get the value out of it. Yeah, because otherwise you can end up with like not just shame in your pile, just like things where you're just like, I have no idea why I bought this, and I've cut it in half. Um, yes, 
<laughs> so one have a bit of a few, plan maybe <laughs> one of very few models i have completely thrown away was the cool sorceress lady from um uh the dark Hagrid's ravagers no the dark oath oh uh, yeah underworlds band yeah the lady um, with an eye in her hand yeah Oh yeah, uh, because I chopped off one of her arms to put a to put a uh, a gauntlet with a shield on it, and looked at that, and the 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 glove was about six times the width of her wrist there, and I tried tried to fix it, broke it more, um, just completely beefed it. And it's nope. This model's this model's this model's gone. I've done it. I've lost it. Um, and so no, did not turn her into a cool. I think I was trying to make her into a dark oath war queen or something, and did not achieve that. I do find smaller models harder to work with. Yeah, that's definitely something. So, JD, you're saying about Sisters of Silence? They make great lots of things, but making Sisters of Silence out of other things is really hard because you've only got like one option to make them look a little bit like a sister of silence and that's like the masked head beyond that there's not that many kind of just blankly armored figures within the warhammer range yeah which is why the sister of silence is great kit for kit bashing with but making like so the new heresy like uh imperial army book has come out and has got like the sister of science army list and has got a shit ton of really exciting sound stuff in there but sister of silence have one plastic kit which have five poses and is now expected to make like 10 different units so you've got to get creative with it but looking at the current range of games workshop figures is really like uh how would you even start doing this so, like Stormcast, they're too big. Um, the oh, the Slanesh ones. The is it Muradon? Mermadesh like Painbringers, that? yeah. Mermadesh Painbringers, classic Warhammer name. Um, like that's a they're big. They're too big. They're they're quite chunky chunky fellas. So anyway, talk about kit bashing for a lot longer, but um, I think that's probably it. Unless anyone else really wants to trigger me again. <laughs> uh, if you want to do some kit bashing, there's a bunch of armies, particularly Space Marines, where you have like the unit of guys and then the unit of fancy guys. And just get some fancy guys to go with a couple of units of normal guys and just split the bits up and put them around. There you go. That's how I do Done. it. Stern Guard, Vanguard... Uh, chosen, I bet would work for this. I don't Blade know. Guard? Actually, maybe the chosen fancy ones. Sorry, blade guard, blade guard. Yeah, yeah, blade guard and intercessors. That that kind of thing, right? That's how I would. That's that's how I I tend to tend to roll. You know, pathfinders and uh, fire warriors. That kind of thing. You can you can figure out something fancy. Cool. Right. Let's bring the ship into its harbour so how do we end a podcast we end it usually by um doing some kind of social media sort of chatter first of all so 
you can find us on the burning pile on twitter.com at tiny plastic hang on i've forgotten it tiny plastic pals is that us yes yeah there we go i remember now you can follow us there we will tell you when there's new podcasts and sometimes even new articles and sometimes when the website's live we will also tell you uh to email us if you have questions for us to answer we will debate them you if you talk about kit bashing you will trigger me into talking about robots you may also end up talking about space marines you never know uh, you can email us at thetinyplasticpeople at gmail.com. Uh, Google, it seems, is not sold on to the highest bidder yet. Uh, where can we actually be found? We have mentioned the Role Models Discord. We think you should join there. That's where really cool people are, and we will talk to you about hobby. We will show you things like dragons. We will show you things like well-painted models. We will show you things like big, messy kit bashes, etc. So... If you go there, that's a fun place to be. Um, let's go around. Uh, JD, where can people find you on the burning fire of social media? Uh, I'm on Instagram as jd.paints. Oh, it's a bad time to take a drink. Tom, where people can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and co-host as le swordfish, or one word. And on Instagram as le underscore swordfish. What is co-host? <laughs> uh, it's it sure ain't Twitter. Cool. Apparently, well. all I know is that when you write a post on it, it's called a chost. So I've made my prejudgment. <laughs> yeah. Not kind. Look, I've I've been on I've been on Tumblr for over a decade at this point. I've got an inoculation. <laughs> that said, the website called Pillow Fort is beyond me. Um, yeah, it okay. seems a bit tumblery. Come join us. Uh, cool. Uh, Rachel, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nershly, N-E-R-S-H-L-Y. And I totally forgot to mention in my hobby catch-up bit, that I uh, released a game. Oh um, my god! I think that counts as hobby. That, uh, mm, no, I'm not sure. I, I, I didn't I want mean, to. I didn't want to call you out on it because I assumed you were like deliberately not <laughs> yeah. bringing it up because it wasn't finished or something. No, but <laughs> I was just being dumb. <laughs> um, you can go and read the reels for free on www.magewins.com. It is a little skirmish game. Um. Yes. You should play it because it's brilliant. Uh, oh. There's online oh, ways to play it. And you don't need very many materials to play it either. So you can play it with any model. So even a boat, I guess. So you can try. Not sure how that would work, <laughs> but you know. Magic boat. Yeah. Everyone's boats now. <laughs> That's how Drew would play it anyway. <laughs> Anyway, go play Rachel's game at matewins.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It is alone music UK. That that's easy. I'm also on Twitter at alone underscore music. Um, I may still be there for a while. I don't know. Just kind of watching it, like combust, is quite it's quite satisfying in a strange way. Anyway, by the time this goes out, it's probably been sold on to someone else. Rupert Murdoch or some bollocks. Anyway. So yes, 
tinyplasticpeople.com. That's us. Thanks very much for joining me on this lovely evening. I've been bitten by a cat several times. So, <laughs> uh, let's say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, Tofu.